back in the fur shed. This is the Trapping Today podcast, and I'm your host, Jeremiah Wood. Thank you so much for listening in. It's great to have you guys here. The podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. That's Cots Bros. They have a wide range of trapping supplies, uh, books, DVDs, lures, baits, traps, and a variety of other things. And we had a great giveaway with Cosbros last week. Had a lot of awesome responses. All kinds of people wrote in to uh, be eligible to win the Black Book of Coyote Trapping and the Flat Set Fix DVD. That was really popular. Scott, the winner, sent me an email a couple days later. Uh, really excited that he uh, he received the stuff from Kellen really right on, right quick. And... Um, Really happy with it, and uh, I think another Cots Bros customer in the making. So Kellen sent me an email, said, we want to do it again. Let's run it back. So Kellen would like to run it back. If you want to boost your coyote fox catch next season, this book and DVD will provide the blueprint, the system, and the motivation to get out and get it done. You'll develop a better understanding of coyote location, permissions, and planning, equipment choices, and an in-depth understanding of dispersal and travel patterns to take more coyotes and fox. As a bonus, Kellen's also including a copy of the Foundation's Predator Trapping Primer with even more insights, tips, and tactics to cultivate a more complete coyote trapper. So, we are going to do this drawing again. And I've got all your names from last time. So, I'm just going to go ahead and I got these all in my big plastic tub and I'm going to shake them around and we're going to do a draw and we're going to get another person the uh, black book of coyote trapping and the flat set fix DVD alright shake her up a little bit mix it all around and let's see the winner is Braden alright Braden Braden Miller is the winner of the book and DVD. So I will uh, send you an email, Braden, and uh, get you going with that uh, book and DVD from Cotsbros. Anyone else who is interested in that, go to Cotsbros.com and uh, really reasonably priced and a great uh, set of resources for you to get going on coyote trapping. All right, the podcast is also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Um, Fur Harvesters is an auction house in Ontario, Canada that is run for trappers and by trappers. These guys know their stuff. They do their best. Uh, you know, they're, they're trappers just like you and me. They do their best to get the uh, top dollar for your fur. They take fur from everywhere in the country, in the United States and Canada. Basically, if you are anywhere near a fur producing area, there's a, a better than not chance that you have fur harvesters receiving agent or depot uh, within driving distance. Check them out at furharvesters.com. You can learn more about the auction process, how, how all that works, and you can see a list. You can go to your state or state near you and see a list of people who can take your fur and send it up to the auction. Um, these these guys are, are good people and they're they're doing a lot to help promote the fur market and fur industry. So uh, check them out, furharvesters.com, or call them at 705-495-4688. All right, well, we have a very exciting episode tonight. I talked with 
Vince from Washington State, and he's a listener to the podcast, and he has a very interesting set of experiences because he is a trapper in Washington State where foothold trapping has been banned for a very long time, and so he has to uh, make a go of it cage trapping. So Vince has a lot of great insights into cage trapping and uh, a lot of experiences to share with us. I, I, I really enjoyed talking with him. Vince, again, thank you for, for coming on the podcast. It's, uh, it was really a lot of fun, and I, I absolutely learned a lot, and I hope you guys will learn a lot as well. So uh, let's get into the show. So Vince from Washington State, great to have you on. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Hopefully uh, this all goes good here. Um, I apologize for taking forever to, uh, to schedule this, but I'm really excited <laughs> about it because uh, I know almost nothing about cage trapping, and it sounds like you've been kind of forced to become quite experienced with cage traps. So it's a great opportunity to kind of pick your brain and go through some of the mm-hmm. things that you've learned uh, over the years. Yeah, yeah. You know, in uh, uh, cage trapping, I think in a lot of the fundamentals – uh, of kind of trapping, bedding your trap, things like that, you know, uh, they kind of all go hand in hand with cage trapping a little bit, you know, we still try to use a lot of the same similar methods, you know, uh, a lot of the, the problem with cage traps is just hauling them all around. You know, we get kind of <laughs> limited on what, how many traps we can get set in a day, you know, but, uh, uh, it, a lot of it can be pretty similar, you know, um, I'm not sure where uh, we want to get started on it. but well, I, I think we ought to start by just uh, hearing a little bit about you and your background and how you got into trapping. Well, I uh, I started, I guess that had been about five years ago or so, and uh, I started getting big into coyote hunting, uh, calling, you know. So we did that for quite a few years, and I uh, kept taking fur in to uh, one of our fur buyers here in Washington, uh and he always had all these bobcats and otters and everything else, you know, and he kept going, you know, he kept giving me a hard time, like, you didn't just get your trapping license, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and so I said, well, all right, I guess I never really thought about being a trapper, but, you know, let's, uh, let's do it. So I signed up for his class about a month later or so, and uh, went and did that, and now, you know, I've just, I've been addicted, I kind of got going into trapping and completely dropped coyote hunting. I've hardly killed any coyote since I started trapping. Um, so I kind of completely switched. Isn't that switched interesting directions. how once you get into it, I remember the first, I was into deer hunting quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And the, the first year I started trapping, I completely forgot about deer hunting. It was just like it didn't even matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's exactly how it goes, you know. And uh, I have friends call me all the time and say, hey, let's go coyote hunting. I said, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm busy trapping right now, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't, can't make it anymore, you know. They, have, they probably but, have a hard time understanding uh, what's so great about the trapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it is funny that way. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I guess a lot of these guys, you know, and I, when I was coyote hunting, you know, I know the first couple of years we would just have mountains of coyotes and we didn't know anything about fur or anything like that you know we just kill a pile of coyotes and we had no idea what a fur buyer was or anything you know and uh a few years after we we coyote hunted you know uh 
and I got in the trap and I sat there and looked back and I thought, man, I'd hate to know how many coyotes we, uh, we, we left sitting there in the snow, you know? Right. And, uh, we had no idea there was even a value for, for then, you know? So the trapping but, but, brings in that whole new perspective of actually going through and taking care of the pelt and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a whole nother world, you know, um, uh, in a whole nother, I guess, look at, um, you know, what, what you're doing with those animals afterwards, you know, just a whole nother approach to it. Yeah. So you got into trapping pretty, pretty late in the game, I guess, uh, relative to a lot of trappers who kind of grew up into it. Um, yeah. And so do you have, do you have any of the history? I know Washington state used to be able to use foothold traps way back in the day. Uh, do you know mm-hmm, any of that mm-hmm. history of why you have to use cage traps there? You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure on why, you know, if there was some, some certain cases that kind of drove that initiative to get past. Um, basically though, Washington's kind of divided, um, basically they're Seattle and then everyone else, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so they pretty much will decide for the whole state. Um, you know, when these initiatives like that, uh, get going, um, you know, I think some of our counties out here in, in these rural areas voted like 90% to keep trapping and uh, to keep footholds. And, and Seattle or King County um, basically decided for the whole state. Yeah, uh, I, my, it actually, was a done deal. F- a funny thing, my wife is from uh, Olympia. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, I drove through there. I've, I've only been through there like twice, but it is pretty incredible to see the difference between eastern Washington and western Washington. Oh yeah, they are two completely different uh, worlds, you know. Yeah. Uh, beautiful country over there, though. You know, um, I know those guys that that trap over on the west side um, do pretty good in beavers and otters and things like that. You know, yeah. um, there's a lot of bobcats over there too. They're not worth anything on the west side of the state. Um, yeah, they're pretty you know, quite a different cat from what you trap on your area, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, I guess kind of maybe not getting off topic too much, but uh, it's it's kind of funny. A lot of the guys over there uh, like to release females and things like that when it comes to bobcat trapping, you know, and uh, I kind of always give them a hard time, you know. I tell them, well, when you want to come over to the east side and let a $600 cat out of a trap, you know, you let me know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's easy to let a $40 cat out of a trap. <laughs> you know, I could do that all day. Yeah. But, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I like to give those guys a hard time about that, you know, yeah. but. So, so my understanding was it was, uh, it was somewhat, it must've been around 20 years ago, Washington banned trapping and they, they banned, essentially they banned the foothold trap, I, I believe. Um, yeah, the, what, what they did was they banned um, anything considered a body gripping trap. Okay. So, you know, foothold snares, conibears, um, that's kind of how they defined it as a body gripping trap. Um, and so that's kind of what we have to go by. Um, the, the, there, there are some kind of vague and, and gray area laws on that when it comes to you know, they're, they're trying to get a thing going with some, with some coro, um, rat traps, mm-hmm. you know, they have those small, um, basically like a, a Victor trap on a metal frame. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, and so the the way the law is is it's um, you know mouse and rat traps are excluded from from that law as a body gripping trap, right? Yeah, and so they are our, our trappers association is trying to fight that as you know these coro rat traps is considered a common mouse and rat trap right and so they're going to try to get that pushed in and you know you'd probably be able to use them for mink um you we, know muskrat things like that if you wanted to yeah um and so that that's kind of a a, a way you know the the laws when they were pushed through were kind of poorly written that initiative and so in some ways it hurts us in some ways it kind of benefits us yeah because they're so vague um you know but yeah i think it's a it's a lesson for other people in other states especially when they think ah this will never happen here you know it's a it's a cascading thing where when as soon as that happened in washington i remember oregon had a trapping ban uh, mm-hmm. Bill and that that one actually did not pass. Uh, they they were able mm-hmm. to defeat that, but but it can happen just that easily. Um, so mm-hmm. so it's interesting. So have you have have you trapped outside of Washington? You know I never have. Um, I started trapping here, uh, and I, and I've never I've never gotten out of the state. Um, I'm kind of hoping to go trap Idaho. You know within the next couple years if I can get into that. Yeah. So you must be um, super, super jealous seeing all the different ways that guys catch fur online. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it gets hard sometimes, you know. <laughs> Especially when I hear guys talk about setting, you know, hundreds of traps. I'm thinking, oh, like, man, man, I went and set 15 bobcat traps, and I'm more out. That was a whole-day process. And you probably you know? had to take a trailer and, with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, have to. Yeah, you take a truckload of traps that are just stacked, you know, and you can only take so many at a time with a snowbill or something up and then go back down, get more, go back up, set more. You know, I said it, it that's the that's the biggest thing because getting an animal to go in a cage trap uh, a lot of times isn't that hard. Like bobcats, they'll walk right in a cage trap if you set them up right. And uh, so it's not hard to get them to go in. It's just getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. Yeah. You know. So, so maybe we should go into kind of the basics uh, for people like me who don't have any experience cage trapping and uh, mm-hmm. perhaps uh, tell us a little bit about the different types of cage traps and how they work. Right. So um, if, if we want to get into like bobcat trapping, I guess we'll kind of, I guess we'll kind of start there because um, that's uh, in in this state, anyways, that seems like what everybody's always interested in out here. You know, is is bobcat trapping. Um, yeah, because when you hear when you hear cage traps, like the first thing that comes to mind for most people is like the have a heart. You know, the person that's got a skunk or a raccoon in their backyard, and they go get a have a heart trap at Tractor Supply or whatever. Right. And, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do that. But then there's the guys that are actually really going. They're actually serious trappers, um, fur trappers yeah. that yeah. are using these. So and it's and it's a completely different piece of equipment, right? Yeah, and so you know, like, you know, I, I kind of started out using have hearts because you know I didn't know any better, and uh, it was available. So, you know, first thing I did was run down to the store and spend a bunch of money on have hearts, and <laughs> I go catch some raccoons. And about the third one or fourth one later, it would be so hammered that trap was just you know you'd be throwing it in the garbage, and that was that, you know. Yeah. 
but you know, the more I got into it, you know, that, that's how that hindsight was 2020. I would have just waited and spent the money on good traps, you know? Yeah. Um, but now, now I've kind of worked my way. Um, I do some nuisance trapping too. I kind of have my own business doing that. Nice. Um, you know, and so I, I've gotten a lot into, uh, a lot of the Comstock traps by Jim Comstock. Yep. Um, he makes some great traps. You yeah, know, those are those are pretty getting pretty popular. They seem to be uh, one heck of mm-hmm. a trap. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they they're they're a pretty indestructible trap. Uh, I've caught just piles of beavers out of those, and uh, they can hardly bend them, you know, to save their life. So they're they're a tough trap. I've never really had to do anything to them. You set them and throw them in the water and walk away. Yeah. You know, uh, but they are spendy. You know, that's the thing about cage traps. I think some of those beaver traps from Jim are, you know, right around 300 bucks with shipping to your door. Wow. You know, for wow. a big beaver trap. So, yeah, they get real spendy. I have some Coro suitcase traps for beaver that are, you know, I think they're about $415 a piece, you know. Are those um, similar to the Hancock traps? Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. They're basically the same thing. Uh, just made by Coro. I yeah. think Hancock's out of business now, as far oh, as I okay. know. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong on that, though. But I think Coro basically kind of took their design over and started producing them. So, um, so basically, you have, let's say, you're trapping for. Let's start with land, and you're mm-hmm. gonna. So you're gonna be uh, cats, um, coon, whatever. Um, basically, you just have a cage with an opening that the animal has to walk into to trip Mm -hmm. some sort of trigger system and close the doors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and on bobcats, a lot of that comes down to personal preference on kind of what style of trap you want to use. You know, um, on the West side of the, of our state, a lot of guys don't mind, uh, kind of what it is because they don't have to deal with the weather like we do, you know, um, but but for me personally, if I had to pick a good bobcat trap, I like anything that's tall. You know, width doesn't really matter. You know, but I like that 18, 19 plus inch tall uh, trap, you know, um, in a guillotine style door that just, you know, a door just falls straight down um, instead of like on a hinge that's going to hang out in front of your trap and then swing down. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, I like the, a big heavy door that's just going to fall straight down. And I prefer to have my traps with a, a pan in the bottom, you know, a solid pan okay. um, to step on. You know, I and there there are a lot of traps out there, like Jim Comstock for, for Bobcats. He makes some that are, uh, you know, have a... Uh, it's almost like a conibear, right? There's like a trigger. Yeah, a exactly. Trigger. Yeah, real similar. They've got to push past that. Um, and I know a lot of guys catch a lot of cats that way with them still, you know, Um but I just, I think I get worried with cats because of that, because I think they can be cautious. You yeah, know? they don't, they, um, they yeah, they, they're, they kind of approach kind of slow and they can kind of look around see what's going on. And, yeah. yeah. And, and I always worry about that, making them nervous a little bit, you know? Um, and, and I, I guess I have no proof whether or not it reduces or increases your number of catches. It kind of has its benefits in the snow sometimes, uh, not having to worry about it freezing up as much as a pan in the bottom of your trap. Um, you know, but, but that's just kind of my own personal opinion on it. I, I prefer to have a pan, you know? Yeah. Um, so you have the, the, the standard have a heart type trap is like a, it's a pan 
and it's mm-hmm. two doors that kind of swing down on a hinge, but are just gravity. And right. then you've got the guillotine style is just like a heavy door that drops vertically. It's on a, yep. it's on a hinge. Uh, mm-hmm. or a, it's mm-hmm. a kind of, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's, yeah, they would almost run in like slots on yeah, the side like of the channel. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the channel. Yeah, exactly. And it would just fall straight down, you know. And I like them because they're simple, simple systems. You know, the triggers, the mechanisms are all pretty simple designs. So there's not a lot to go wrong with them. Yeah. Now the Comstock also has a trap that's it's it kind of swings on a hinge, but it's spring loaded. The doors are spring loaded. Is that? Yeah, yeah, and those look like a slick trap. If I didn't already have so many traps, I think I'd I'd buy some of those. <laughs> so they're supposed to just like act like that, uh, kind of like that guillotine type uh, draw, like fast closing, but instead of but it, the advantage being that you don't have that high profile of things. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. You know, and a lot of times with cats, I don't like them to have to duck. You know, if they have to duck down, not that they won't go in a trap. I've seen them go into some pretty short traps before you know um but with bobcats i like there would just be nothing there to to make them think twice about it you know i like a tall trap um with with is kind of funny with cats on those cage traps they don't really seem to mind if um it's a tight as far as side to side you know they'll they'll go right in there hmm. you um, think that's because they're used to just walking in between tight tight areas in nature I think so, you know, and, and you'll notice that I think a lot of times when you're out there, um, you know, those bobcats are kind of famous. If you're watching them walk around the snow through stuff, you know, they're always going through little tight spots, Yeah. you know, through the brush and trees and stuff like that. So I don't think that really, uh, makes them nervous, you know? Um, but you know, when it comes to cage trapping, when I first started doing it, my first year, I didn't catch a thing, you know, I, I couldn't catch a cat i'd have cats show up on cameras at my traps and nothing would ever go on but i didn't know anything about cage trap you know it's probably the same with footholds or anything like that you know uh you can go set a bunch of traps and you just have no idea what you're doing you know until you do it wrong and and uh find out that wasn't such a good idea you know but when it when it came to kind of figuring out how to catch cats i think one of the biggest things um it was just keeping it simple you know just getting back to kind of like the basics and getting your trap bedded really well. Um, yeah, so makes let's a huge let's talk difference. about let's talk about that because mm-hmm. uh, that to me that doesn't immediately come to mind bedding a cage trap, uh, mm-hmm. but obviously it sounds like it's really important. Yeah, and and I think cats will do the same thing uh, coming up to like a foothold. You know, they they come up there and that ground moves. They step on that trap and that trap moves or anything at all. You know, you'll watch them slowly back out of that trap and go, oh, something's not right here. Yeah. You know, um, and so, and, you know, a lot of guys will talk about cats being really visual hunters, right? And the one thing I think about is interesting with cats um, is they seem to be different, so different from one state or area to the next, you know. Mm-hmm. You'll see guys down um, in, in different states, you know, use a lot of flagging or feathers or wings or something like that to, to get that visual attraction on cats, you know. Right. Um, but up, up here where I'm at, I don't waste a lot of time uh, putting flagging out. Uh, you know, mainly 
out here I get if I start putting flagging out for some reason you know uh, I, I always look at like yeah cats might see that but so does every other predator yeah. you know um, and so then I'll start noticing I start attracting things like birds you know turkey vultures will somehow see something floating in the wind they come down in to check things out you know or, or I start attracting skunks or whatever you know I said everything else is going to see that too and so I don't use a lot of flagging I keep my sets pretty simple um, you know, I, I use a lot of bobcat urine at my sets and I use a lot of, you know, uh, my caster, like beaver caster lures at my set, yep. you know, for, for cats and, and, you know, those are kind of my two main things. Sometimes I'll throw something else out there just for fun. Um, see what happens kind of thing, you know, but if I have, if I have to pick my two lures, you know, it's anything with caster in it and, and anything with bobcat urine are kind of my two things. You know, and they don't seem to really think twice about it when they come up to a set. You know, they're if they show up, they're most likely going in there. You know, and I'll use a piece of beaver meat in the back for bait, and that's it. You know, I'll hang a little piece up there. Yep. And that's kind of my set. You know. So, so yeah. your Kate, your traps are these double door or single door trap? Uh, most of the time on bobcats, I'm using a single door trap. And what does the back end of that look like? Is it just like like just a cage material? Is it a vertical bar? Yeah, or? yeah. The the back of them's just gonna be uh, just wire. And these cage traps on cats, I brush them in big time. So yeah. So so I was know, wondering uh, that because you're not you, they're not gonna they're not gonna feel like they can walk through if you know on a single door trap, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're now you're treating that trap as like a, a cubby. Yep, exactly. That's that's basically what you're making. You're basically making like a cubby set and then stuffing a trap in there. Okay. You know, stuffing a cage trap in there. You know, it's basically what it boils down to. You know, um, and they're not they're not afraid to go into those dark places like that. You know, it's all covered up. You know, and, and I always tell people you can't brush in a bobcat trap too much. You yep. know, so you don't um, want them to they're... see any of that cage necessarily. Any of that cage. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my personal opinion on it. Uh, I know there's a few guys that I run into sometimes that, that like to leave the back of their trap not brushed in, you know, um, just to have so that those cats can maybe. see that. But but I get worried that cats aren't smart enough to figure out how to go around to the front of your trap. I <laughs> that, think, you know, <laughs> I have think you, you've probably seen that on, on that. trail cameras. Or, uh, I, yeah, you know, the reason I kind of got into the brushing in the back of my trap uh is I was watching a, one of Mercer Lines videos, you know, who makes cam trip uh, traps. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, uh, no, no, I haven't. He, he makes a cage trap down in California, um, and then they outlawed bobcats. He was a hell of a bobcat trapper, and uh, and then they outlawed that, outlawed it down in California too, I believe, here the last couple of years. Um, but I think he's still making traps down there, and he makes a great bobcat cage trap. Um, but he has tons of footage on, on these bobcats. And it was kind of interesting. He had a trap out there, uh, you know, uh, and, and it was kind of interesting. He did it just to kind of prove a point, saying this is, this is kind of how cats act around a trap. You know, well, they, they, a cat shows up and looks around this trap forever, and, and it could never figure out how to get around to the front of that trap because it wasn't brushed in or anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that cat never went in that trap. It finally, I think it stayed there for an hour or two and finally wow. left, Jeez. right? And and could never figure out how to get in the front. It just sat there and stared at the back of the trap all day, you know? <laughs> and so after I saw that, I thought, well, why would I ever waste time, 
or, or why would I never, you know, uh, why would I ever set a trap without brushing the back end now? You know, I said, yeah. it's not worth missing a cat, you know, um, him getting distracted and, and staring at the back of the trap all day. So that's kind of why I do it. Um, you know, and, and I like to just funnel them right into the front, you know, and not give them any other option. Yeah. Can you do a double door trap or does it make it just too long to be feasible to carry around? Um, you can, you know, uh, one thing I, one thing I worry about with double door traps is, uh, I think like, like you say, probably, I think to get one long enough for a bobcat to go on and trip it and, and be far enough in that trap, I think it would have to be a heck of a big trap. Yeah. You know, yeah, because um, their entire body is going to have to be inside the trap by the time they get to the center. Exactly. You know, so like on my cage traps, I, that's, I set my triggers kind of stiff if I can because I want that cat all the way in that trap and committed, you know. Um, and, and most of the time, if that door comes down and hits that cat just right on the rear, he's probably going to drop his, you know, he's probably going to flip around yeah. and that door will come down. You know, yeah. some animals will want to have a reaction to back out. Um, but those, those bobcats, most of the time when that door hits them, if it does catch them, they're going to flip around, you know, but, but I think if that, like on a, on a double door trap, he's only going to be halfway in. I think you'd have a pretty decent chance of him backing right out if it hits him in the middle of the back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of my personal opinion on it. Cause I, I have thought about setting some sometimes in spots where, you know, uh, you got a cat walking in between two rocks, you know, or something like right. that. It would be a good spot for it. Yeah. And, uh, and then I think, well, why don't I just set a baited trap? Cause it's not that hard to get them to go in there anyways, you know? Yeah. So you I'll just set passing. a baited. Yeah. They're walking right by it. So. Yeah, yeah, and getting them going the trap isn't the hard part, you know, and that's kind of what I got into, you know, that's what I tell guys when they start trapping and, and getting in the bobcats, you know, I said, trapping a cat isn't hard, I, I said, it's finding one out here, that's the hard part, mm. you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, you've probably been out, you said you've been out here in, in kind of this country, it's, it's hard to, there's so much country and so many mountains it's kind of hard to sit back and pick like i'm gonna set a trap here and a trap there and a trap there you know because those oh, yeah. cats can cover so much country There's yeah no... and i i learned the hard way uh i set a mm -hmm. line out in in eastern montana okay uh, yeah similar 30 country. 30 traps and i never caught a bobcat and i and i didn't realize till later that there just weren't a lot of bobcats in that area Right, right, exactly. They just weren't you there. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and so that's kind of my thing, you know, uh, when I get out, I start setting creeks, you know, uh, anything with a creek running through it, I set a trap for bobcats, you know, uh, they're kind of famous for working them in the winter, you know, but a lot of times with cats out here, I'll wait till there's an inch or two of snow. Yeah. And, and then I start driving and setting traps on tracks crossing the road. Yeah, know? that's hard to beat. Yeah, and that, and that's kind of how I do it. Since I'm setting cage traps, and I'm not, you know, if I if I oh, yeah, set every, 100 it, traps, <laughs> exactly you know? every single set. It seems like every set would count so much more if you have yeah. to carry a cage to it. Exactly, you know, and and uh, and and it is funny sometimes. I do catch cats on just blind sets. I think that looks like a great spot, and I'll set a trap there. And two days later, you catch one. And then I never catch a cat there again, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but sometimes that's just the way it goes, you know, 
And uh, sometimes I can't help myself when I see a spot that looks good. I, oh, I have to go set a trap up there, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in, in one thing I got into with cage traps, too, since I'm not setting a ton of traps, uh, I started getting into cell cams, you know, um, because in Washington State, the law is for us for us checking traps. The law is we have to check a trap or we have to remove an animal within 24 hours of capture. Wow. Jeez. Right. So it's bad enough it's you got to use cages. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of a weird law, you know, so it's one of those gray area laws, you know, it, it says we have to remove an animal within 24 hours. Okay, of so, so, so you don't have say, to be there every 24 hours if you don't catch it. No, no, and, and technically I could have you check my traps. You can't touch them, yeah. but but they don't say how you have to check them. They just have, you know, but but I could, I, I wouldn't have to check my traps for a week technically. I just have to remove an animal within 24 hours of me catching it, yeah. you know. So it's kind of a, a, kind of a weird law. Um, you know, they tried to push a 24-hour chat check, uh, you know, this last year, and we got that drop. Thank, you know, thank God. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there just, just doesn't seem it it, there's no reason. For it. It's just obviously they, they just don't want people trapping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and and I think that was because they were probably having a hard time giving people tickets for 24 hour trap checks since it's not a law, you know, I think it's kind of what ended up happening is they tried to catch some guys on it that maybe didn't check their traps every 24 hours and they tried to write them a ticket for it. And they said, well, that's, that's not actually against the law. They hadn't caught anything. So they hadn't broken any laws. And, uh, and so then I think it turned into like, well, let's just make it a law so we can give people tickets for that. You know, uh, and so they finally, they finally got that drop though. They said, you know, they were going to push that through and, and this, the Trappers Association said, no way, yeah. you know, um, they, well, they, the great thing is with the technology that's out there, you can, I, I mean, you can be much more efficient if you can have a camera watching this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I think out here where I'm at in this kind of country, uh, I, I really like these cell cam things. One of them, you know, I, I don't have to go into my set all the time, you know, um, so that's kind of nice. I stay out of it. Uh, nobody sees you going in and out of areas. You know, I don't leave a trail. Um, and I can kind of go set. I don't have to necessarily have a great uh, trap line as far as it being in, in a nice circle or something like that. You know, I can kind of go set a trap this direction and go that direction and set a trap, you know. And yeah. uh, I'd rather go set three or four really good traps than 20 bad ones, you know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's the way it works out here just the way the land is and, and there's a lot of private property. So sometimes finding a big chunk of public land to go set traps on can be kind of tough. You know, um, there, there's a lot of it out here, um, in the mountains and stuff, you know, you can get into just huge, huge areas of public land up in the mountains, but it gets tough to go get them set out there. And then, you know, you're, you're so far away from home every day, uh, trying to go get traps checked and set and everything else all the way out on public land, um, can get, can make some long days, you know, how is it getting Uh, permission? Um, sometimes it's not too bad trapping, you know, uh, a lot of times I have people turn me down right away until I explain them, explain to them that I'm using cage traps and things like that. You know, uh, everybody kind of, a lot of people have no idea that, that footholds and things like that are, um, not even that they that they're illegal they have no idea 
you know so when you ask somebody to go trapping on their property um, a lot of times they're like oh no way i got dogs like you know no can't have you out here you know and uh the nice thing with cage traps is uh it's almost impossible to get a dog to go in one. I've never caught one. I've seen like two people catch a coyote in a cage trap and, uh, they're normally young or they got mange. They're sick. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody ever catches a big healthy coyote in a cage trap. They will not go near one. Yeah. Um, and so, and dogs are kind of the same way. I've had a lot of dogs go up and look at traps, but they won't go in one. It's just you know? too much of a confined space for them. Yeah, exactly. And so I kind of, you know, once I kind of tell people that, you know, they, they kind of relax a little bit and, and they go, oh yeah, go for it, go out there and do some trapping, you know. Yeah. Um, but but out here, you know, maybe it's just a lot of trappers out here are pretty secretive, you know. Um, yeah, the, uh, not a lot of landowners necessarily have any uh, experience with trappers. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know. Um and, and I think a lot of the trappers out here don't even like to go ask anybody for permission because then somebody would know that they're trappers, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and, you know, and so they're so secretive about it. You know, it's, it's kind of funny that way. I know guys that have been trapping a long time and, uh, and almost nobody, uh, knows they're a trapper, you know, yeah. um, yeah. they just, they don't want anybody to know about it. And, um, you know, we, there, there's a lot of anti-hunting and trapping people in Washington State. Even, you know? even on the eastern um, side? There is. There's a lot of people from the west side of the state moving this way. Okay. You know? Um, and so we're getting a lot of a lot more influence. You know, they're, they're kind of just flooding from the, that area so overpopulated over there. They're kind of just all moving into Montana and Idaho, you know, and, yeah. and heading east, you know, um, with their third or fourth home you know, vacation home, they just keep moving farther out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But, but there is a lot of them. Um, and so that's, that's kind of a hard part. We get a lot of people coming over from Seattle. Um, and they spend a lot of time, there's a lot of outdoorsy people, but they're not hunters or trappers or anything like that. And so sometimes that can get really difficult. Uh, I've been a long way out in the mountains before in the winter and you go a long way thinking like, I'm going to get away from people and you come around a corner and there's a group of people snowshoeing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty You're amazing. Going. Uh, here in, yeah. in rural Northern Maine, uh, you get a quarter mile off a road and you will never see another human being, uh, unless right. they're getting paid to be there. <laughs> and then like you, you hear, I've, I've heard about Colorado places out there. Like they have mm-hmm. to shut down recreation. They have to shut down hiking and mountain biking in areas because of the impact on the deer and elk populations. Right, Just, right. It's hard to imagine. Yeah, and, and it's the same way here. You know, I, I don't know if they start shutting areas down yet, you know, but I'm surprised <laughs> they haven't, you know, uh, because you can't seem to get away from people, you know. Uh, and that's, that's one of the hard parts, you know. Uh, you know, and with cage traps... Um, you know, we, I have to try to set them. It's, it's kind of interesting to set them in the snow. Cause it doesn't matter where I'm out in the mountains. You know, a lot of times I go in on a snowmobile and, uh, and it, and it can get kind of tough cause you go up there and you'll jump off your snowmobile. And a lot of times I'll try to have my trap set and ready. You know, I'll have it baited basically ready to go, know where I want to set it. And I will try to run up there as fast as I can get my trap set and come back down and take off before I need to see another snowbiller, wow. you know? Yeah. And, uh, 
And so sometimes that can get that can get kind of interesting sometimes. Yeah. Keeping your traps hidden, you know, and I and I've had friends who have had their traps found, you know, and once somebody kind of finds a trap or a trail going in the snow and they know that it's a trap, you know, I've had guys lose 10 or 12 traps just their whole, really? you know, miles down a road. Yeah, people go down there and, and go in on every trail you walked in on and take your trap, you know. See, I would have assumed that because they're so big and bulky, that people wouldn't steal them, be as likely to steal them. But. Yeah, yeah, you would think so, you know. And uh, there are sometimes I'll if I'm in areas that I'm I'm a little worried about it. I will wire them down pretty hard, you know, get some pretty good thick wire, yeah, or chain a trap to a tree. At least make them have to work for it. If they're gonna steal it, you know. Jeez, uh, how many can but, you fit on your snowmobile? Um, you know, a lot of times, I uh, I'll fit I'll probably put, fit like a three pack. You know, a lot yeah. of my cages will go stuff inside each other. So a lot at a time if I'm if I'm hauling them in on a snowmobile. If I can, if it works out right, sometimes it's tough. Uh, I, I like to wait until after all the elk hunting seasons are done yeah. and everybody's kind of out of the hills as far as that goes, you know. And and if there's not too much snow, I'll try to drive up in my truck and set my traps down up there with my truck. Yeah, you know? yeah get in there ahead of time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then that way, you know, if I need to run two or three up on my snow bill, I don't have to drag a sled behind me or anything like that. You know, I kind of just, uh, you know, and, and it's not too hard to try to strap two or three cats down on a snow bill if you really need to with some bungee cords, you know. And yeah. uh, we, we pack pretty light when we do it. Um, you know, but uh, with, with snow bills, it's, it's kind of one of those things where we're at up here. You guys uh, probably get a ton of snow, too. Um, yeah, you know, I, I almost always go out trapping with, uh, with my trapping partner up in the mountains up here, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's such rough country. It's a long walk back out to civilization sometimes on a snowmobile, you know, a lot of steep, rough, deep snow, you know, and, uh, it can be interesting. A lot of times we're checking traps at night too anyways. And, and so, you know, almost every time I go out, you know, I'm with my partner or he knows I'm going out or I know he's going out kind of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the bobcat trap in here. You know, um, I try to go out and just get, you know, 15 to 20 traps set if I can. And, uh, and then I just try to, to really make sure those are good sets, you know, and I'll kind of move a trap around here and there. And, and more than that, it just gets to be too much to handle. Yeah. Especially if you if you're checking them as often as you're checking them, that that can be can be tough. Mm -hmm. So have yeah. you had challenges as far as getting cats to go into the the trap? Um, and like uh, I'm thinking in terms of they aren't very hungry, for instance. Uh, are right. there are there any things any challenges you've had uh, in in any ideas to sort of entice them to go into those cages? So when I, when I'm setting them, I, I haven't ever really noticed that I have a lot of refusals, you know, um, at least in the snow or tracks like that. I don't see a lot where a cat walks up to a trap and leaves, you know, um, what I do is, is, you know, I'll use a piece of beaver meat in the back for bait. Um, and the first cat I ever caught was just on a piece of beaver meat. I didn't have any lure out. I didn't have anything. 
um, just a piece of beaver meat in the back, you know, and, and brushing that trapping good and, and bedding it really good made a huge difference, you know, um, and covering the bottom of that trap up with some nice soft dirt. Covered yeah, that's up a nice, good point. So, so you don't want you know, them, you don't want them to know that there's any cage whatsoever in the entire bottom of that trap. Yeah, exactly. I don't like having any wire shown or anything like that on the bottom of that trap, you know, um, and, and what I do too is I'll hang that meat up, right? I don't just throw it in the back of the trap. I'll yeah. hang it up and, uh, you know, put a piece of wire through it and hang it up, tie it up good, you know, because that way they've got to work at it anyways, you know. Right, maybe um, just more paw placement down on the pan. Yeah, exactly, you know. And so one thing I do, though, when I, when I put bobcat urine out there, I'll always – kind of squirt some bobcat urine in the back of that trap and then kind of lead it out over the pan, you know? Um, and kind of my theory on that is, um, if that cat doesn't want to eat, I kind of hope he goes in there just to invest and in rolls in that or do <laughs> yeah. something or mark it, you know? Um, and sometimes I wish I had it on camera to see what that yeah, cat's doing. Yeah, to see if you, if you, you know? even looked at the bait before you caught him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he's got his head up or if he's got his head down, you know, smelling that urine, you know. And one thing, a lot of times I'll put a little bit on the tree next. A lot, a lot of times I set my traps next to a tree, you know. Um, and so I'll uh, I'll put a little bit up on that tree, a little bobcat urine. And I've noticed that when those cats come in, you watch them coming on the snow, the first thing they do is smell that bobcat urine on the tree. That's what they go to first, you know. And then they'll go in that trap. And I've always thought that was kind of interesting because I, I have I have a lot of guys give me a hard time about trapping cats out here because I'll have guys say, well, cats can't smell nothing, you know. <laughs> and and they're all visual hunters. You want to put out all this stuff, you know. And, uh, and, and I kind of, I don't really believe that, you know, because from what I've seen from, from using that kind of stuff, like bobcat urine, I said, well, man, those cats, you know, I, I caught a set of tracks on this cat 75 yards or 100 yards from my trap, and you could almost tell where the wind crossed the road, and that cat would just turn 90 degrees and go straight up towards that trap and right into it, you know. Yeah. And so I know, I think those cats out in the mountains and in, in those that thick tree, I think they use their nose big time. Yeah, they, they may not be able to smell like a bloodhound, but way better yeah. than we can smell. Yeah, exactly, you know, and I go, man, I, I've almost seen it, you know, you could almost measure how well they smell, you know, and, uh, and, and another thing with cats out here in my area is, is I really, I really stay away from skunky lures, okay. and, uh, and I know some guys really like them, uh, and sometimes I'll use some if I'm way up high, and, and it's really cold, and something's, and my sets have gone kind of cold or something, Maybe I'll try to throw some out there just to get a little more smell out there. But um, it's it's kind of interesting, you know. I was I was listening to uh, I was reading up on um, a study that they had done with skunks affecting deer populations, and basically what I got from it was that these cougars, you know, we have a huge cougar population. I have more problems with cougars getting in my traps than anything else. Really. You know, and they are absolutely everywhere. Huh. And they're just like a bobcat, but they'll walk right in a trap, you know, but they're too long, so that door will hit them in the back and they'll back out, you know. Yeah. Um, so I've never actually caught one, but I have them go in and set my traps off all the time, right? Oh, so. Jeez. 
And so I've kind of, you know, I was, I was reading this study and, and they said, well, you know, these, these cougars and, and are killing deer, right? And then this skunk's coming in and just stealing that, comes in there and sprays that cougar right in the face, steals this cougar's kill. Well, now it's got to go kill another deer, right? And I've kind of always wondered if the same thing's happening with bobcats. You know, they're killing something. There's skunks and cougars everywhere, right, too. And I go, and plus, so I said, I, sometimes I wonder if those skunks come in, take that, that bobcat's kill, you know. Um, and, and so I, I've noticed out here that bobcats avoid skunk smell like the plague. I have never caught a cat in a trap with a skunk lure by my trap. Hmm. So... I kind of wonder if that's why. Maybe maybe it has nothing to do with it. Maybe it's completely different why they don't like it, you know. Um, that's, but yeah, sometimes that's I wonder about that, you know, because we catch a ton of skunks, you know. When, when, when guys get into bobcat trapping out here, it's kind of interesting, you know. I uh, always tell guys, you know, uh, you'll say, hey, uh, who here wants to be a skunk trapper? Nobody raises their hand. <laughs> So, well, who wants to be a bobcat trapper? Oh, everybody raises their hand. Yeah, I'm going to go catch bobcats. And I said, well, then you're going to catch skunks, you know. I said, you're going to catch way more skunks than you do bobcats, so you need to know what you're going to do, how you're going to deal with that when you get there, you know. Yeah. Um, and and so sometimes I wonder, I wonder though, on that, you know, there's so many skunks in our areas, if, if that affects bobcats in a negative way or not, you know, if they – so they, you think they, they associate that with a negative experience? I, I think they do. I think that's kind of my own personal opinion, you know, um, and I've just never had luck. I've had cats refuse to go hmm. into traps with skunk lures by them. They'll kind of come by, and then they'll turn around and leave, you know, yep. and I don't I don't know why that is. But So caster works good. You, you do use some caster as a lure. Yeah, I, I like caster lures, you know, um, and – one thing I like about them too is, you know, a lot of times I'm just using my beaver lures, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of times I, you know, beaver ponds are great to set traps by too, you know, um, any, any beaver pond around here, especially up in the mountains, there's a cat by it, you know? Uh, so if I find beaver ponds, you know, a lot of times I'm setting trap by it for bobcats too. They're all over the place, you know? Um, and I don't mind, you know, lures with a lot of bobcat gland in them too. You know, I've had some pretty, like, glandy lures uh, that work really good for cats, too. You know, I just try to stay away from skunky lures. Anytime I I get a bobcat lure that has skunk in it, you know, I, I hardly ever use it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I would think that uh, maybe a gland lure. I, I'm experimenting with gland lures in uh, Martin and Fisher uh, boxes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which which is kind of very similar to a cage trap, I guess. And, right, uh, right. And, and I'm kind of thinking that that's making them more likely to go into a box even when they're not hungry. So that's that that would be uh, an, an interesting little pattern to look into is whether the gland lure uh, <clears throat> inside the cage might make them more likely to to go in. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, I think I think just like curiosity more than anything sometimes, you know. Yeah, some another cat's been in here. Man, maybe I ought to check it out. There ought to be something good here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, I think that's always kind of kind of good to start going different directions and going, you know, seeing seeing what works when something goes cold. You know, uh, I think that'd be interesting to see how it does. Yeah, 
you know, and, and I don't know anything about Martin trapping. So I, I think it's awesome listening. You guys talk about that, <laughs> you know, cause we really, there's some around here, you know, but it ain't worth setting a trap for, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of, there's a couple guys I know that are, that there's some pockets close to them that they go out and catch some Martin in, you know, and they'll set traps just like they do. Like you guys are setting boxes, you know, they'll just set a cage trap up on a pole or up in a tree, yeah. catch them that way. Huh. That's neat. You know, so it's kind of interesting, but I don't know nothing about it, to be honest, you know. <laughs> yeah. I've never even seen one in the wild out here. Well, they're not easy to see, that's for sure. Right, right, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't know a Martin track if, you know, I was standing on one. I'd have no <laughs> idea what it'd even look like. So uh, we talked about bobcats. We talked about coyotes not going into cages. I, I was wondering mm-hmm. if you give us a little rundown of which other animals will go into a cage trap. You know, it it kind of depends how you're setting traps. You know, uh, when I got into nuisance trapping, too, I kind of I kind of found out. You know, when I got into nuisance trapping, I don't use a lot of baits. You know, I try to set my traps animals going in and out of holes or where they're traveling you know or just setting them on top of a fence no bait no nothing you're going to catch that squirrel or that rat running around you know um and so that kind of opens up you know how you look at animals a little bit and what they're doing you know um so as far as animals going in and out of traps i think most of them are pretty easy to get to go through a trap you know um, like beavers, uh, for example, I love setting beaver. I love beaver trapping, you know, it's, if I'm bummed out that they're not worth anything. Cause it's probably <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite animals to go trap, you it, know? Really? Yeah. I, I love it out here. I don't know why, you know, and maybe it's just cause it's easy. I, or not easy, but it's high success uh, rate. Yeah. High success rate. Right. And, yeah. And I think with beaver trapping out here with cage traps, the simpler the better. I see a lot of guys setting cage traps for beavers. And, and when we're setting cage traps for beavers, they're double-door traps, you know, um, and we're setting them underwater most of the time. They're all blind sets then. Yep, yep. You're just setting them in runs or whatever, you know. Um, and it's kind of interesting. When I got into beaver trapping, I see a lot of guys do this, and even guys that are kind of experienced trappers have been doing it for a long time. But they they, they – you know, everybody's still kind of new into the cage trapping world, you know, really there's, there hasn't been anybody doing it for that long, you yeah. know, uh, maybe 10 years. And, uh, cause when it first started, nobody had any good designs for cage traps at right. first, you know? And so it's kind of came a long ways on how they design and make traps now. But with beaver trapping, I think guys overdo it big time, you know, uh, with cage traps, you find a run and you drop that trap in there and walk away. And I'll watch a lot of guys put dive sticks out and this and that, you know, and I used to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and for cage traps, you don't really need to do it. You know, uh, I had a guy, it was kind of funny cause I was setting traps. I go, how do you, how do you set catch beavers in these runs that are like four feet deep, you know? And uh, they're like a foot, a foot and a half wide and four feet deep, just these huge run, deep runs coming off of a dam or something, you sure, know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I said, I'm, I'm setting traps in here and I'm trying to set them like shallow or hang them, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'd see a lot of guys do the same thing, especially when they're new, you know. And he says, well, 
he says, why do that? He said, that runs four feet deep because that's where they're running. Yeah, you he's know? Going, they're, they're, they're going to be at the bottom of the run. Yeah, exactly. So I said, huh, you know, that's kind of <laughs> weird. So I go out there and I, and I just started dropping traps and runs, you know, no dive sticks, no guide things, guide sticks or anything. You know, I would just drop it in there and I kind of found out that beavers are, beavers are just so faithful to their runs, you know. Yeah. And and I think when when we're setting cage traps at least, anything you put out there just distracts them you know i think a lot of dive sticks and stuff it just catches their attention and they all of a sudden stop in their run you know and go huh what is that you know who put that 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 across my yeah exactly you know um and so i just like i started keeping it simple i just threw it in there and did nothing and walked away and the next day i'd have a beaver in a trap you know, and I, and my success rate just went through the roof when I stopped messing around with their, with their ponds, you know, um, I'd set it in that run and that was that, you know, and, uh, sometimes I'd use a little caster on the other side of one, you know, but, uh, it wasn't really necessary. I don't think. Um, so basically you're talking about oversized version of colony traps for muskrats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and most of them are going to be like a powered door, though, on beavers. Okay. You know, um, so a lot of them are spring-loaded doors. But, that, yeah, basically they're, they're a colony trap, you know, um, like a 12 by 12 by, you know, I have some that are like 48-inch long traps. Hmm. Um, and it kind of depends which ways the doors close on them. Like Jim Comstocks are a shorter trap. They're like 32 inches. And, and I've caught a 73-pound beaver in one of those, Jeez, you know. Wow. And so it's kind of, you know, they'll fit in there depending on how the doors, which direction the doors close. You know, if they're, if they're, um, I guess if those those doors are pointing inside the trap and falling down like a colony trap, it's got to be a longer trap. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, and I've caught, I've caught a ton of beavers in both of them. I kind of like gyms how they're a 12 by 18 by 32 i think is what they are you know i like that tall trap and i'll set them in the those runs sideways a lot of times oh really you know so yeah, these and, these must be tripped by a trigger yep yep and, and like the comstock ones you know they're they're basically like a they're they're similar they have to hit a wire you know kind of like a conibear yeah you know they're there's their trigger system is technically way different you know essentially but they still have to go through that wire just like a conibear, you know, and, uh, and, and honestly, cage trapping really isn't that different than how you're going to go set conibears, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the nice thing about them with traps, with cage traps is I don't have to do anything. I set the doors on that trap and I drop it in a run, you know, which almost makes it easier. I could go out and set a cage trap faster than you could set a conibear <laughs> and walk away. But I've got to carry a huge trap in too, you know what I mean? I've got to, I carry two or three traps in, I'm more out, right. you know, and you could have a whole backpack of traps or, you know. Yeah. Uh, but if you're just going so it, from the road, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, and so when I'm beaver trapping, I do not like to go very far from the road, you know. Yeah. I, I'm a lazy beaver trapper. If it's a hard spot to go set a trap, I'm not going to go do it, you know, yeah. uh, because i got to drag a, tra- a huge cage trap in there. Now, I can envision these as... Uh, easy to put in culverts yeah and they work great in culverts too yeah you know um i i i normally i normally don't set a lot in culverts just because 
there's not a lot of them out here where I'm at, you know, for beavers. Um, our, our country, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how our state is set up so different than others. When I hear guys talking about setting under bridges and things like that in other states, um, we don't really have a lot of that here. Okay. You know, um, they'll make a bridge, just go over a Creek. That's only two feet wide. There's, there's really nowhere to go set a trap that makes a good set there, you know? Yeah. Um, they don't culvert it up or anything, you know, right. um, or, or which is probably a lot better for beaver problems on the roads. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing really goes and dams it up in there or anything yeah. like that. So I, you know, like you, that's a good point. You know, I just don't see a lot of beavers there in those areas, yeah. you know, like they're not there damming it up or doing anything. So, um, so you're going, uh, yeah. you're finding the, a beaver lodge dam, you're finding the run and you're setting these mm-hmm. in just like a conibear. Now, uh, I've been to places where it's been really hard to find a run, and or it's just too mm-hmm. deep, too deep to get around without a, putting a boat in. So, uh, right, you must have situations where you have to go to that option where you you're using bait and pulling beaver out into a trap. Yeah, and and when I run into scenarios like that, I won't normally set a cage trap on land for beavers. Um because they're so hard on them you know if you catch one out of water in a cage trap they will just bend the tar out of them because they're in there for 20 hours pushing on that trap you know and in the water you know they swim around for a minute or two and then that's that you know but if i'm gonna a lot of the areas out here like you say there's no runs like i i do a lot of trapping on rivers and it's really rocky bottoms there's no slides into the into the water there's no nothing it's just all rock you know and those beavers are swimming a long way from home um you know when i catch them in my cage traps so sometimes it's me just finding access to that river i really could care less where i'm at on it because those beavers are going up it and then getting in the back current and and coming back down you know on the sides so you're still setting Um, a blind set there yeah, yeah, and so I'll just and and that's when I start getting into like the coros or those Hancock style suitcase traps, you know, um, where there's no runs, there's no nothing, um, you know, those beavers are just traveling through there, you know, and so what I'll do is I'll I'll make a simple set, I'll put it in the water, you know, you'll put those about halfway in the water, um, and then I take a whole bunch of mud and. Uh, and grass and everything else and i shove it on the back of that trap you know um i don't know if you ever seen how those are set yeah um, yeah kind of an interesting trap you know i would not want to be caught in one i tell you that <laughs> yeah yeah some guys have gotten pretty messed up uh setting those traps before if, if you let go of them at the wrong time i mean they come up and hit you in the jaw um, yeah. they're pretty dangerous you know um and yeah so what I, I do is i oh, go ahead, oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I normally, I'll normally make a caster mound set on the back of that trap, you know, big pile of mud, uh, put some caster on there, caster lure and cover it up with some grass and walk away, you know? Um, and I've actually had some videos. I'll, I'll sometimes on those traps, I'll throw a cell cam on them. And it's kind of amazing sometimes, you know, how fast a beaver will show up to those sets, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you know, all of a sudden there's this, you know, a lot of, there's not a lot of pressure out here either, you know. Um, and so sometimes I think these beavers kind of have these areas, especially these rivers and stuff, kind of locked down. You know, that's their yeah. that's their river, and it's been that way for a long time, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so they're, they're very sus- 
suspecting of uh, another caster mound. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so on those, I've got some video of them coming into those co rows, and I mean, they don't even think twice about it. They will come swim straight up to that that mound and uh, that caster mound set and get caught. You know, and the kind of the theory on those traps is when they when they close, they actually the bottom actually comes up. You know, it's not the it's not the back that that closes from the top down. If that makes sense the bottom of that trap actually flips up oh, okay and and so it, it will it will basically almost flip that beaver upside down huh. you know and the first thing that beaver does is lunge back towards the water right so the the theory is is i try to set those traps deep enough that when that beaver gets caught he lunges back to the water and hopefully he drags that trap down in the water with him oh, okay you know okay um, and so if I'm in a, on a real steep bank, uh, the better, but then I'll water my trap off to something. So yeah. that beaver doesn't drag it 10 feet down into the water, you know? Yeah. Um, but sometimes I have it where they're, they're somewhat shallow, shallow rivers too. And they've got to drag it quite a few feet to get it out there, you know? Um, and so if, if it's on a steep bank though, and I have my camera on it, the nice thing about it is it's a 72 hour trap check on those. If it's a, if it's a, non-body grabbing body gripping kill set right so okay. basically that means if it's underwater right well that's the good. hard part about those co-rows is you're setting them halfway out of water right so you have no idea if when you caught that beaver if he actually got it out into deep enough water yeah right? yeah okay so you and can save so, yourself a little time if you got a camera on it yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, and if I want to leave it there for a day in that ice cold water, it's fine. I, I know he's underwater. I don't legally have to go get it. You know, it's a 72-hour uh, check or whatever. I can leave it in there for a few days if I wanted to, if I was busy doing something or couldn't make it, you know. Yeah. But if he isn't going underwater, I know I need to go get him right now, you know. So that kind of makes it nice, too, when I have it on a cell cam. Uh, I can see exactly what's happening with it, you know. And what um, are those costs? A lot of money. Um, I go with the spy point cameras, and they run about, uh, I want to say they're about 220 a piece. And I pay $15 a month for unlimited data through them. It, it's, it's kind of expensive, you know, but uh, it honestly doesn't take long to pay for itself in fuel, just fuel alone, you know, yeah. going up and checking traps. Uh, it, it doesn't take long. I put a lot of miles on out here to go check a few traps sometimes. Uh, yeah. And and I use it a lot for nuisance stuff too, which makes it, you know, them really handy, you know. Yeah. Probably makes some of your customers happy too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they it, and they don't have to go out and check for skunks in a trap or anything like that, which makes me feel better too, you know. I really don't like customers walking out there to take a look in a trap, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never had anybody get sprayed, but I'm still waiting for the day it happens, <laughs> you know. And so <laughs> yeah. nuisance trapping is an interesting world, you know. There's there's a lot of good stories. <laughs> How long have you been doing that? Um, I guess I've been nuisance trapping for probably about almost three years now. Yeah. You know, um, that that was kind of... When I when I got into it, you know, I got into trapping and I thought like, all oh, right, on, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the nuisance trapping and make a ton of money, you know, and uh, 
you'll see a lot of young trappers kind of have the same attitude towards it, you know. Yeah. But I found out real fast that it's not recreationally trapping, you know. All of a sudden, you have somebody depending on you to catch animals, you know. There, yeah, there's a lot of pressure and, there. Yeah, and so I go, and I don't run into that problem. You know, I said it's not the first five beavers to catch. Oh, I got my little one in here. <laughs> <laughs> I got my little two-year-old. Yeah, if, it, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for the time change, you would have heard my little guys running around. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, you guys are pretty late over there. Huh? Yeah, it's about 10 o'clock here. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking for a while. But uh, <laughs> he's all excited. That's good. Does he want to be on the podcast? I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he'd have lots to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but anyways, uh, you know, when it came to nuisance trapping, I, I go, it's the, it's not the first five beavers you catch that's the hard one. It's that last one. It's yeah. that six beaver that can take you another week and a half to catch, you know. Right. And, I, I've uh, been guilty of walking away, you know, of a fur trapping. You catch, yeah, exactly. catch five you and, know? okay, I'm not going to even bother with the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I always just, you know, sometimes I tell people like that if I'm, I'm a, you know, if my, if I got someone that has a beaver problem and, uh, you know, they don't want to spend any money on it, I'll tell them like, well, I'll take my nine-year-old boy out there. We'll go catch some beavers, but when we're done, we're done. Exactly. You know, yeah. I'm not sticking around catching every one of them. I'm gonna catch some until I feel like quitting, and then we're walking away. You know, and so yeah. I just tell people that right up front. You know. Yeah, I had a guy this winter that I caught seven out of a lodge, and mm -hmm. I, he and I said I think there's I think there's one or two more in there, and he says why are right. you coming back for him? <laughs> I said are you yeah. gonna pay me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because those are the two that are the hard work. Exactly. You know, you know yeah. I got seven and three trips, and now I'm probably gonna have to make three more trips or four more trips to get the last two. So, yeah, yeah, if you're lucky, yeah. Yeah, you might not ever catch it. You them, might not, you know? exactly, yeah. So. Yeah, so, and it's kind of interesting, you know, and one thing I started doing with nuisance trapping too, you know, when I got is is these cell cams, you know, one thing I really learned, it was kind of interesting with, with beavers. Uh, you know, I had one I could not catch, and uh, I, I caught a whole bunch right off the bat, and I had this one, and he would come in there, and he would dam up this little section, and it would flood across a road into another neighbor's shop, right? It was pretty bad overnight, wow. and I couldn't ever catch him. And so I put my, my camera up on him and had it set to video, you know. Well, I watched this beaver come in, and he'd swim right around my my suitcase trap, you know, and start building this dam. And uh, he could care less about it. And it was kind of interesting. So the next day I went out there and all I did that he'd come around that trap and just sit down a foot away from it on this little muddy ledge there and work on his dam, right? So the next day I went in there and had moved my trap about a foot and a half over to where he was sitting down. And the next day I caught him. Wow. You know? that and I go, it was kind of, yeah, kind of an interesting, you know, just that moving a trap a foot and a half to one side and all of a sudden it's game over. That's amazing. You know? huh. So it's kind of, kind of interesting. Animals always, they never cease to amaze me, you know? Yeah. yeah and that, that ties in perfectly with my whole philosophy of it. it's, it's not necessarily how many animals you catch. It's how much you learn from each animal you catch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Something like that makes you change your whole, 
look on on a pond when you come up to it next time yeah because a lot of guys might have just said ah, i just can't get that beaver i'm gonna go move on do something else right yeah yeah it's interesting that way you know um so uh i i, I had one more thing vince i'm, I'm wondering about is mm-hmm. this whole cage strapping thing because it it seems as though you're you're gonna have to be doing this for quite a while um it, yeah, Washington demog- population demographics are not changing anytime soon. Uh, it doesn't appear. So uh, w- the, you talked about this being kind of a young uh, business, and there's people that haven't. It hasn't been going on for a lo- long time. Uh, mm-hmm. What is? Are there any advancements or like what's the next big thing uh, coming in cage trapping that people are working on? Well, that's a good question. Um, I'll have to almost think about that one for a minute. You know, I, I think one thing with cage trapping and it's and it's never ending, there's there's always somebody trying to figure out a way to catch coyotes in a cage trap. You know, um and especially in new trappers, you see them come out and they're like, I'm gonna figure out a way to catch coyotes you know, and all these other trappers I've been doing it for a while. are like, yeah, good luck. We've all, we've all tried to design a trap. Yeah. And none of them ever work, you know? And so, um, I, I think that's kind of like that ongoing thing with trapping in that world in cage trapping is, is somebody is always trying to figure out how to catch a coyote in a cage trap. Like what will actually work? How big does it have to be? You know, I, I think you could do it if you just want to carry traps around the size of your truck <laughs> you know yeah the, the the bigger the trap gets the more open it feels to the coyote yeah right? yeah exactly and so i think you know i i i wouldn't say it's impossible you know but i think you know not very it, feasible <laughs> yeah it comes down to the point you're like but why you know why why would i waste that much time uh to try to catch one coyote you know, it, it ends up not being worth it. You know, if I want to coyote that bad, I'll go call one in and, and shoot it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's that's kind of, but but I, one day somebody might figure something out, you know, that, that'll fall under their laws and be legal. Yeah, what and, about uh, these, like, these pens that guys are do, using to catch wild hogs in? Right, right, yeah. I think if you could figure something out like that, put one around a dead cow, uh, I think you could probably catch some dogs that way. You know, and and I think with coyote prices the way they are out here right now, it'd probably almost be worth it. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. if, you're if in you the really want to. Yeah, yeah. And out here in eastern Washington, we have a ton of coyotes. The majority of them are pretty good dogs. You know, I, I think I probably averaged, you know, the last couple auctions and stuff, you know, like 60 to $70 a coyote nice. out here. Nice, that's not bad at all. You know, and so, yeah, they're not bad prices at all. You know, uh, some areas out here, we get a lot of mange and coyotes, um, which is, which is kind of interesting. You know, you wouldn't think most of them would survive the winters, but. Yeah. I wonder if maybe no, no trapping harvest, uh, maybe that's, they're just so abundant that you have issues with overpopulation and. Yeah. uh, And I, and I think that is a lot of it, you know, it's not hard to go find a coyote out here. And, uh, I think they're just completely overpopulated. I know a few years back, I, I don't know if something happened or if it was just a, you know, calling coyotes got really popular, um, for a couple years out here. 
everybody was doing it you know everybody go out and get a fox pro and be out yeah. calling there was contests and this and stuff and you know the state kind of shut a lot of these contests down um they just they just kind of made it a pain for everybody to do it and so they kind of all just stopped you know um but for a couple years i noticed the coyote population really dropped out here and i don't know if parvo or or something went through and really knocked them down but they seem like the last couple of years are really coming back again to to kind of those normal populations you know yeah um but but back in the day it's it's kind of interesting out here a lot of people you talk to uh, they all have stories about their uncle or their dad that used to trap coyotes out here when it was still legal to use footholds you know yeah and uh and so it's kind of interesting to hear some of those stories you know and once they shut that down a lot of trappers just quit trapping i bet they did you know yeah it it's amazing how many people used to trap and don't and and just that was that done you know? Yeah, and it's kind of sad because by the time those old timers, you get to a certain age, you're not moving, right? Yeah. You, you bought yeah. a house, you're you're settled into an area, you're at a stage in your life, you're not going anywhere. And then they make what one of the things you love to do illegal. Uh, yeah. You're just done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, it, it's, I, I always love getting a kick out of listening to some of those guys talk about how much fur they put up. Oh yeah, you know, I can imagine. Uh, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling how many coyotes some of those guys, you know, put up in a season. And uh, I used to think I, you know, scanned a lot of fur. You know, I, I get six or seven beavers in my in my garage and think like, oh my gosh, it's a lot of work <laughs> tonight, you know. And uh, and then you'd hear those guys talk about like, oh yeah, we catch you know fifteen or twenty coyotes a day. Yeah. You know, and uh, I couldn't imagine putting up that much fur. But but then you know that was their full time job too. They didn't work in the winter, you know. Right. They they would make their boss lay them off, and uh, they would trap all year and pay cash for a brand new truck at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, um, so that was when you could actually afford to trap too. You know. Yep. Pretty much all of us these days are working full time jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I work full time so I can afford to trap. Is basically <laughs> what it is. You know. But, you know, that's the one thing I think everybody gets in the, uh, that bobcat, you know, and, and there was that huge fur bloom on, on bobcats, and everybody was, yeah. uh, you know, hunting them and trapping them. And uh, I got into it right after that. You know, like the year after it crashed, that's when I started trapping. You know, I thought, oh, yeah, bobcats are great prices. And, uh, you know, uh, as soon as I started catching them, uh, <laughs> it just plummeted, you know. Uh, but it, they're starting to come back, it seems like. So do a little better anyways, you know. Yeah. you're it, Obviously, you stuck around, so you weren't in it for the money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that, and that's, that's kind of interesting when you say that, you know, a lot of these trappers that I see start, um, you know, we'll have 15 or 20 people in a trapping education class, and and everybody's got – big dreams of catching tons of bobcats and making a pile of money when they start doing it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and it's amazing. I'll, I'll, you could almost bet money that only four of those guys out of that 20 will be trapping in the next two years, Yeah, you know, because most likely that first year, they're not going to catch anything, you know? Yeah. If yeah. they do, it's going to be a complete accident, you know? 
Yeah, yeah and then they'll so. realize that they weren't making as much money as they thought they would be, and then it, mm-hmm. some other thing pops up that's more interesting. And yeah, exactly. And and they spend so much money on cage traps to get started. You oh, know, I if bet. you walked out that's... my garage. That's got to be terrible. I'm, you know, I'm looking at, I'm buying some coyote traps right now. You know, twenty dollars, twenty five dollars a trap. I think that's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like a, a typical bobcat trap probably runs about one hundred twenty five bucks a piece. Jeez. You know, so, you know, I've got twenty of them out there. Um, so you got over two grand in just bobcat traps sitting out there, and uh, you know, I've got. Um, let's see, I got probably three or four thousand dollars worth of beaver traps you know and and that's not that many you know i said you get into beaver traps i said i got some comp stocks that are three hundred dollars a piece and yeah. some coros that are four hundred and twenty dollars a piece you know i said maybe that's only a dozen bobcat or beaver traps you know and i'm and you're up in the thousands of dollars already yeah you know and so guys get into that you know you're you're into four thousand dollars worth of traps sitting in your garage and you haven't caught anything it's it can be tough to uh, justify that, you know. Yep. Absolutely. But, but you know, like you say, we're not we're not doing it to get rich, you know. I look at it as an investment. I I do it now, and and you know, I can travel with my kids for for years, you know, at that at that price. So in the long run, I don't think it's too bad, you know. No, no, it it, man, I. It's it's. Uh, you can't put a price on a lot of the experiences you get out on the trap line, really. Mm-hmm. I know exactly, you know, and and I think that's kind of one of the reasons I like, you know, I, I do a lot of muskrat trapping and, and beaver trapping, and it's just because I enjoy it, you know, it's just fun, yeah. and uh, I never get tired of it, <laughs> <laughs> you know. When you get into bobcat trapping, I think you get too, it's easy to get focused on the money part of it, you know, working so hard to try to make money sometimes i think you it's easy to forget about why you're doing it you know yeah and uh so it's it's nice to get back into some of the other things and just do some trapping and uh you know putting up for not worrying about anything else absolutely well vince i really appreciate having you on and i appreciate you taking the time this was a lot of fun yeah yeah thanks for having me on i hope i didn't just ramble on uh for too long you know, but, uh, <laughs> no, it was good. I learned a lot and I think people are going to learn a lot from this. So, uh, it's great yeah, to it's, hear that people are still trapping out there, even, even with those crazy regulations. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems to be getting a little bit more, uh, popular the last couple of years. It seems like we've been doing a decent job yeah. getting people interested in it out here. You know, uh, we have a pretty good trappers association. We're not a huge trappers association, but you know, we've got some pretty good people in it that, that do a lot of fighting over on the west side of the state for us. So, yeah. uh, but that's good. All right. Keep up the good work and, uh, hope to talk to you again sometime. Yeah, it was good talking to you. Take care. All right. Thanks, Vince. All right. Thanks. Have a good one.